What is up, you beautiful human? Hello and welcome back to the Raw, Real and Vulnerable podcast with me, your host, Beck Antonucci. Today's episode is really for specifically those single ladies who are here to claim their personal power and their sovereignty at and after 30. I have connected with the incredible Julia Mazua. And to begin with, I was going to title this episode 30 Single and Cyberbully because Julia has received it all from online attacks to online celebrations. She's just an incredible stand for women who feel like they must have it together at 30 and feeling like a failure because they do not. And I really just want to put in the space, who is it that you actually know that has all of their shit together? Like everyone's kind of like, I don't have my shit together. I'm like, bro, do you know anyone who's got their shit together? Even leaders. I'm like, who just has it all together? We're all human. We've all got stuff going on. But beyond that, where has this expectation come from that by 30, we must have figured it all out? Where has this expectation come from that by 30, we must be married to be, I'm doing air quotes right now, successful? And where in our life are we making choices from a dysregulated nervous system because we're trying to live up to the expectations that society has placed upon us? So today, I hope that you tune in from the beginning all the way to the end as we navigate all the ins and outs of where these belief systems have come from, how you can start to love yourself more so that you can actually wait for and settle and land into the aligned relationship that is actually for you versus just jumping into relationship because society has told you that's what makes you valid, validated and worthy. If you love this episode, please screenshot it, share it to your story, tag both myself and Julia because we would absolutely love to connect with you. Strap yourself in. This is one hell of an episode. Let's fucking go. I am sitting here with a very beautiful now brunette woman. When we first connected, she was blonde. She had me on her podcast. I ended up crying my eyes out as I was just going through the breakup with Jake in April of last year. Julia Mazer, welcome to Raw, Real and Vulnerable. Oh my God, so much has happened and I'm so excited to catch up. I know, we were just connecting prior to going live saying how much has actually unfolded in our lives since we first connected all the way back then. So for all the listeners who do not know who Julia Mazer is, who are you and what is it that you do in the world? Yeah, well, I am a podcast host. I host my podcast pretty much done. And it's really for people who are pretty much done listening to societal rules and expectations that are placed on us with dating. For me growing up, I had had this pressure of I need to get married, have children. I found myself going on so many dates. I worked at Tinder for six years. I was really trying to accomplish those goals of learning how to be this traditional wife. And I have realized that there is no one size fits all approach to fulfillment. I have found fulfillment in my own way. So yeah, I'm a podcast host and I create social media content to go along with the podcast. Mm -hmm. And what is the opening of every reel that you do? Well, it was I am 29 and single, but now it's I am 30 and single. (laughs) I love it so much. I'm like, oh, it's Julia's real again. I used to say I'm a magnet attractor for women who are 
30 and single and feel like they're really failing at life because of that. They're dreading Christmas because fucking Aunt Susan is going to ask them, are you married? Do you have a boyfriend? And there's this punch to the gut moment of like, oh, I should have a boyfriend or a fiance or something so that I can fucking tell Aunt Susan, yes, I've got a boyfriend. Okay, I've got one. And so what is this thing around being 30 and single? Let's talk about that. Yeah, obviously it came from society. I don't know where exactly it derived from. I feel like my life's mission is to really figure it out because my mission with my content is to try and dispel this myth that life ends at 30 Mm. and you are somehow more valuable if you are married with children by the time you are 30. Mm. I kept feeling like I was not enough because I wasn't married. And so I kept finding myself in these really good on paper relationships Mm -hmm. and feeling unfulfilled. And I don't know if you've had those situations where you come to the family party and you come with the really great, amazing boyfriend. and You're like, he's a doctor, he's a lawyer. And everyone's like, oh, thank God, Julia's not a weirdo. And you're sitting there pretty lonely in that relationship and realizing you're not that happy, but you have to put on this mask of I'm in this happy relationship so that people will accept me. Mm. Yeah, I feel that so much. And, you know, I love that concept of 30 and life being over, whereas I'm 35 turning 36 this year and I really feel like life is starting to begin and there's almost this part of me that's feeling like I'm so glad that an unevolved version of me didn't choose her life partner because who the fuck would be sitting by my side right now and is that really in alignment with the life that I'm here to live? And interestingly enough, I know we connected and I was like bawling my eyes out about Jake in April. We reconnected over Christmas, tried to make it work, and we only closed out officially yesterday. Wow. How funny that we're talking today. I know. I'm like, God wants all of this for all of us. (laughs) But what you just said there is like this incredible person that looks good on paper and being 35, it's like, okay, well, 30 is one age. And now 35 is 35 and 30 feel very different. 35 feels like you can't fuck around. Even Jake and I were saying, he's like, babe, I've got a year I could, like, we could explore this. And if it doesn't work out, I'd be disappointed. But like, I'm still 32. At 36, like, there's no time to fuck around. So yeah, share with what you're about to say. No, no, I know. There is a biological clock for women. I'm not going to say that there isn't. For sure, that adds to the pressure. However, now there are amazing advancements, not accessible to everyone, but you can freeze your eggs. You can look at other options. You can adopt. There are other opportunities for women to become mothers in other ways. I posted something that went viral the other day, and I said, so many people troll me on the internet, say that I'm going to die alone with cats, but Amal Clooney met George Clooney at 35. Salma Hayek was like 40 or 42 when she married a billionaire. Kourtney Kardashian just had a kid at 44. And society wants to hypnotize us and think that we are going to die alone if we don't do it by a certain age. People find love all the time. And there are so many comments on this post that I did of women saying, I just met the love of my life at 66. Yes. Well, that's the thing. I'm not worried about not having babies. I know a lot of women share that with me. I'm like, no, I I know I'm going to be a mother. And if it's naturally through the power of my body, I believe that she can. But if I was not so in love with my husband, I would adopt. If I waited until 47 and my body could not, I would adopt. Like there's still ways for me to become a mother. The time pressure for me is more like, 
I want to make sure before babies I have really fucking lived my life, gone all in. And because I'm now only just starting to feel like life is starting, that's the part where I feel like there's not time to waste. In our 30s, we really start stepping into this ownership of who we are. And so that part around the beautiful man on paper, he looks great. Like Jake is the most incredible man and my best friend. And there's still a part of my heart that's like, it's not him. And so if I was to subscribe to society saying, well, Rebecca, you're 35, you want to have babies by 39, you better marry the good one. Even though your heart's saying no, he's going to be a great father and a great partner. Just marry the good one who my auntie Helen loves every Christmas. She's like, he's such a good man. Marry him, Rebecca. Like we can't Mm. subscribe to society if our heart is telling us no. Yeah. And people who are deeply happy are just focused on their lives. But there is this misery loves company component where when I was being bullied or cyber bullied, all of these conservatives who got married at 22 and had four children and lived this white picket fence life, they want me to subscribe to what they're doing to amplify the fact that it's the correct way to live. And so they're projecting that on me. I don't project my way of life on anyone else. If you are happy in the traditional white picket fence, amazing. Mm -hmm. But I realized through trial and error, that doesn't work for me. I want to be in a relationship where potentially one day we pick up and move to France. That's the relationship I want to be in. And that's what works for me because I'm a little bit more wanderlusty. And that's okay. And I think that people don't take that time to figure out what it is exactly they want because society's breathing down our necks of this is the right way. This is the only way. This is the way it has to be. And I know that you said for a long time you desired that traditional picket fence life. You wanted to be the wife. What was the shift between wanting the traditional relationship to, oh no, I'm stepping into who I am. I'm 30 and single and cyber bullied by the conservatives on the internet. Like how did this happen for you? Yeah. Well, it's been an interesting journey. So I wanted it because I'm Russian Jewish and I grew up in this traditional household where my mom got married to my dad. She was 21, had my sister at 22. And in the Russian Jewish community I grew up in, everyone did it. At 30, I'm the only girl who doesn't have kids and isn't married. And I think that like staying in your hometown, you know this, you are going to feel like the black sheep in that place. But you move to Bali and you're like, I'm no longer the black sheep. I'm with people who I am more aligned with. Mm -hmm. So I was in this world for so long. And it wasn't until COVID, I got into this relationship with a great on paper guy, owned a house, very great career, wanted to take care of me, wanted to marry me, all of the things. And we had nothing in common and he hated everything about me. Mm -hmm. And I just realized I was so deeply unhappy and lonely. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this can't be all that it is. Mm -hmm. And I would turn to podcasts and I'd listen to podcasts because I was so lonely. I remember thinking to myself, I think I'm just going to become an alcoholic or something. I don't know what's going to happen for me because it was hard to be aspirational. He had all the money. Mm -hmm. I couldn't even think of creating a career for myself And there were things about him that I didn't like. And I started to tolerate him more when I was drinking. Mm. And so I I was turning to podcasts and I was listening to Life with Mariana Hewitt. She's this influencer. She has a podcast and she had the celebrity hairstylist Jen Atkin on. And Jen Atkin said, I tell all my friends who are in toxic or not for them relationships, a breakup is just one weekend of moving your shit out. Just one weekend. You rip the bandaid off and that's it. And I had this like light bulb moment of, okay, I think I can do that. Mm -hmm. I really think I can do that. And I then took it upon myself to 
move out, not right away, but like shortly thereafter, I decided I need to get out of this. I'm so unhappy. There is so much more life to live. I was 27 years old. (laughs) There's so much more life ahead of me. And I started on this journey and that's when I got into therapy and I started to do the self-development and the self-work and I faced my shadow self, which was a 75 pound heavier version of myself, 35 kilos essentially, Mm -hmm. who was overweight, who I didn't love her, I didn't accept her. And I realized that I was going to males to validate me. Mm -hmm. Being in a partnership with a man made me a bigger person, a better person, a person who deserved love, Mm -hmm. rather than doing the work to really have this inner love, this inner peace, figure out exactly who I was and what I wanted and have a partner be an addition instead of someone to just fill this gap within me. Mm, So huge. I love this for the women who are single listening in, but also the women that are in relationships that are maybe questioning right now because you mentioned the conversation around being lonely. And I heard something the other day saying that one of the loneliest places that you can actually be is in your relationship. And Mm -hmm. I know so many women who want to be in relationship because they are currently experiencing loneliness. And yet if you end up in the relationship that doesn't truly align with you, when you're with a man that's great on paper but doesn't think that you're amazing, I think you literally said hates every single thing about you, that is a very lonely place to be. Yeah. And it's a recipe for disaster when you are lonely and society is telling you if you don't get married at 35, you're going to die alone and you're going to have cats and nobody is going to want you. Your stock is plummeting. You're a spinster. At that point, you're like, I'll take any guy on the block. Just give anyone to me. Yeah. And I just want to say, I feel like I'm getting better with age. I feel like I get better in Bali. The other day in Perth, I'm like, I'm flat, I'm white, my body's out of shape. Perth just ruined me and I got back to Bali within 24 hours. Nothing has changed. I haven't eaten anything different. I haven't exercised anything different. I'm like, I'm so hot. I love (laughs) it. I'm like, yeah, this is probably not great for my ego, but I'm loving it. But one thing I want to say about that is I always say any decision rooted in fear is only going to ever recreate a fear-based experience play out in our reality. So for any woman resonating with this conversation, if you're choosing partnership, to band-aid loneliness, I'm going to predict that that partnership is not going to play out in the way in which you desire. Maybe you'll temporarily have company, but you won't actually heal the wound, the fear of actually being lonely. So can you share with us how to make peace with our fear of loneliness, how to make peace with our own loneliness? I think you have to get really rooted in who you are and what you want out of life. My first step, the first key is when I started journaling. Mm. I started realizing that all of my subconscious thoughts, all of the really deep things that I didn't want to admit to myself, I don't want to work a corporate job, but I'm making six figures, but I don't want to work a corporate job. I actually want to be a coach. That to me, there was so much shame around it because I went to graduate school I'm academically like soaring. I'm going to be a coach. It's what I wanted. It's really my life's purpose. I want to help women with this stigma. I want to allow women to be able to have complete confidence in who they are. It, It also took a while to say, I don't really know if I want marriage right this second. I'm not really sure if I want kids. I don't know. I'm trying to figure it all out. But once you start getting really real with yourself, at what you want out of life and stop fearing what people are going to say about it because people are always going to have something to say about Mm it. Once you make that noise stop, Mm -hmm. that's when you really can sit 
with like what you want and that and then you're not no longer lonely because you're busy doing the things you want to be doing Mm, yeah a hundred percent I feel a lot of my clients have gone through breakups this past year obviously because I've gone through a breakup and I just feel the energetics of it attracts that into my world and for the clients going through a really really hard time with it sometimes I feel when we're disconnected from our purpose it can make the breakup so much harder whereas I've gone through the breakup with Jake and yeah it's been hard I've gone through hurt and grief and jealousy and all the emotions attached to a breakup and I still wake up every single day and know what my purpose is and know what the fuck I'm here for. So even when the sadness and the grief of the breakup had hit, there's still a foot down on the accelerator that is purpose. And I feel when a woman's connected to that, whatever her unique expression of purpose is, it makes the challenging moments like breakup more easeful because you're not only focused on the breakup because the relationship was not the only thing that brings your life meaning. Yeah. I don't know about you, but whenever work gets hard or I have fear, like right now I'm on my own. I left my corporate job. I have financial fears about making it. Yes. Whenever it gets really scary and overwhelming, my default is like, I'm going to go swipe on Hinge. And I'm like, what are you avoiding? You can't sit with this right now because you have so much fear. So you want to distract yourself and flirt with a boy. Yeah. It's like my default go-to mechanism. Yeah. It's even interesting that you're not like, oh, I'm going to go and flirt with a man. You're like, I'm going to go and flirt with a boy. Like your linguistics around that are curious too. So when you're avoiding, what do you do when you notice that? Yeah, it's so funny that you caught me on it. I also will sometimes call myself a girl and people are like, you're a woman. Yes. And it's so, so funny that you caught me on it because recently I chatted with my therapist and I've been doing a lot of inner child work and inner child healing And she was like, I just caution you not to go too deep down the rabbit hole of staying with the inner child because you can get stuck there. You can get stuck in the child. Now with my fears, I'm like, oh, I am going to own my own business. I don't know, but mom and dad need to help me. You know, like there are those same fears. And, And so you caught me on it for sure. But what do I do? My life coach taught me I have a nourishment menu. So there are things I go to whenever I'm feeling uneasy, unsettled. Mm -hmm. They're like my default go-to things, a walk, yoga, meditation, journaling, reading a book, being in the sunshine. Now I've been like taking myself out on solo dates, like going to sit at a bar by myself. Those are my go-to nourishment menu things. And if I can do at least one to two of those things per day, I'm in a good place. Yeah, I would call those down regulation tools, but I love nourishment menu. I feel like that sounds <laughs> way more appetizing versus like, what do I need to downregulate myself in this moment? I love it. So powerful. And just on that girl comment, when Jake and I were re-exploring seeing each other, we were working on what I desired was deeper sexual intimacy and to align our sexual visions. I have mentioned that I really feel what Australian men lack is a deep reverence and appreciation for women. And I know this is a massive generalization, but having been in Bali and being able to experience different men from different cultures, remember I'm from Perth, Western Australia, so it's a fucking furthest state away from everyone. So basically everyone's a white Aussie male. All my ex-boyfriends are all quite similar. And so I get to Bali, all different cultures, and I can just feel this depth of adoration, respect, and appreciation that men from different cultures have for women. And so noticing that, and I'm not saying that this is a criticism to Australian men, they just haven't been taught by their fathers. 
And mm-hmm. these men that I'm connecting with have shared what their fathers have imprinted on them about how to love, respect, and revere a woman. And so when I was talking to Jake frequently and he was like, oh, you know, I was chatting to other girls or like talk to me and called me a girl. I'm like, I'm 30 fucking five. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not a girl, bro. I'm 35. In five years, I'm going to be 40. <laughs> so <laughs> I just find that really interesting knowing that we are linguistic beings just to see how we're looking at ourselves and to see how yeah. we're looking at the opposite sex and dating, like flirting with a boy, just really curious tonality and you being able to link that back to the inner child. So huge. Now, do you feel like you've shifted from wanting to live your life to uphold the expectations that society has of you into fully embodying full Julia and everything that you want? Yes, for sure. I mean, there has been so much change that has happened in my life that it's almost like I spent so much time trying to appease other people, appease society, do it all. I'm like, I don't even give a shit anymore. And there is an element of being 30 and being really sure of who you are, Mm -hmm. where you feel comfortable enough to do that. Mm -hmm. But this summer, I had my cyberbullying situation where this right-wing political commentator came after me because I talked about how I'm so happy with my life being 29 and single and how I was hungover and I went to the Beyonce concert and I got to wake up at 10. And whenever I feel like I'm not where I'm supposed to be and society tells me I should be, I realize what a gift that I get to wake up at 10 and I get to go to the Beyonce concert and I don't have to worry about childcare, like all of those things. It's such a gift in this life. And through that process, I I got bullied. I got so much hatred, but I also got pushed to people who resonated with my story Mm. and resonate with feeling these feelings. And I felt very compelled that, oh, I thought this was just a cultural thing that I grew up in. I thought that this was just a Russian Jewish thing. This is a societal thing that Mm. we need to help dispel. I want to help women. People like you are doing it. People like me are doing it where we're helping women step into the people that they need to be and and not worry about the outside noise. So I feel very rooted in my purpose. And now it's like, I just go. Whereas I used to have fears around posting, I just post, I do all the things and I've gone forward with that. I quit my corporate job, which everyone in my family told me I was crazy. I was making six figures. It was an amazing job for an amazing company. I couldn't work there. I decided to move to Austin. I moved forward on a home swap. This couple lives at my house in Los Angeles. I live in Austin. And here, what I've escaped and realized where I'm becoming more rooted into myself is growing up in LA, you've spent time in LA, there is superficiality that I just no longer jived with at this point in my Mm. life. I no longer wanted to put up this facade that I was this cool girl. I no longer wanted to be judged just only on what I looked like or what job I had or what car I drove or what clothes I was wearing. Here, nobody even entertains it. I could say like Angelina Jolie is my mom and people are like, cool, that's sick. Great, like (laughs) on to the next topic. (laughs) And so I feel so good in this environment. You know what it's like to move somewhere where your soul is just like, oh, this is where I'm supposed to be. It feels like a weight is like off of your chest. And I'm just spending time with people who fill my soul up and not cluttering it. And now when I approach dating, it's more so from a perspective of like, am I enjoying my time with these people? Are they adding something to my life rather than will this man choose me to be his wife? Mm. Because that's how I was dating before. 
Yes. You know, I have so many questions. I'm excited for your husband. I'm like, I wonder, is he someone that I know? Because I have such a huge community over in Austin. I'm like, I'm going to be at the wedding. And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, you'll just be surrounded by incredible community and all of the things. Just really sounds like you're stepping into more of who you are and a, a deeper and richer alignment. I want to go with the corporate piece first, though, because for me, yeah. leaving a secure, I've done this left a secure corporate job that came with the six figures and it had a car and it had a phone and like all of it was covered, but it was absolutely sucking my soul. And I knew that I was meant for more, but I also had the Italian parents that were like, specifically my dad, I just want you to be safe. Your bills are paid. What are you going to do? Life coaching isn't a real job. What are you doing, Rebecca? And I know lots of women are coming to my space. They're like, I want more. I don't know what more is and I know that the job is holding me back, but I don't know how to leave. So how long ago did you have the idea I'd get to leave and how long did it take to get you to leave and what was that process like for you? Yeah. So it's interesting. I left my job at Tinder and I got recruited by this company and I was like, okay, great. I'm going to take another corporate job. I took the role and I quickly realized this isn't fueling my soul's purpose. I really loved the people I was working with, Mm -hmm. but I felt like another cog on the wheel. I just felt like I wasn't contributing in a meaningful way. And I care about contributing in a meaningful way. We've got one life and I really want to contribute in a meaningful way. Mm -hmm. And I realized quickly that, okay, I need to have an outlet. So I launched my podcast. I just like spent all of this time and I launched pretty much done. And I was able to do both. And, you know, it didn't impede on my day to day. Then this summer I was dating someone. I told you I was moving to Bali. (laughs) I was like, like, oh, just kidding. In April, we were sending each other Airbnbs being like, what do you think of this one? What do you think of this one? Is this in a good location? I was just ready to come to Bali, like sight unseen. I was just like ready. And I I had talked to you and I was like, this is a sign I need to move to Bali. It was a bit rash, (laughs) but the universe slowed me down a bit. And I met this wonderful guy and we had a relationship this summer. It didn't work out for a variety of reasons, but we ended things. And literally the day after we ended things, I was looking at short-term rentals on Zillow. And I was like, Austin, my best friend lives here. I've been visiting. I looked and it was out of my budget. And I wrote to these people. I said, hey, any flexibility on the price? I own my place in LA. I'm super responsible. Would love to live there. If not, no pressure. It was one. Like one of all of the ones I looked at, I was just like, whatever. If it works out, it works out. Great. No, whatever. They wrote back to me and they're like, there's not flexibility on the price, but we are looking to move to LA. Where in LA do you live? And they were only looking in the area that I lived in. And so I said, let's just home swap. And it just felt like the universe dropped this little thing for me and it was so meant to be. That being said, the company I worked for had a work from anywhere policy. I was just moving forward. I didn't even like think to tell them I'm moving. Once I told them I was moving, I started to make the rounds of, okay, talk to my manager. He okayed. My manager's manager okayed. I get to HR and they're like, you can't work there. We don't have an office there. You can't work there. And it was just the universe putting a mirror up to me of, listen, girly, you are telling people to live their soul's purpose, live a life and not care about what society deems correct. You either walk the path or you live this boring life over and over again where you're unfulfilled. Mm. And I sat with it. I meditated on it. I walked. I I did so many laps around my area. I was just walking and walking. And I thought, I'm going to build out a coaching program. That's Mm -hmm. it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to go all in and I'm just going to go for it. I have savings. I can do this. Mm -hmm. And I told them, I said, okay, I want to leave. And they gave me like two extra months. So I was able to save a little bit more. 
and I did it. I just want to say also, all the listeners know that Preston Smiles is my mentor and the change in my life. She walked into a cafe in Austin the other day and he walked in as well. So I feel like you're getting so many signs from the universe, just nudging and pushing. And even the fact that Jake and I completed yesterday, you and I are on today. We've had like multiple schedules where I had a microphone moment and all the things like, God fucking wants this for you. I know. I know. It's so crazy. It's really, really crazy. When you just release yourself, it just happens. When you release the fear, when you release it all, you just end up where you're supposed to be. Yes. I mean, I never even knew that I wanted a coaching business. I always wanted an activewear, but I'd always followed like Press and Alexia, the ones that have really ignited so much change within me. And it was COVID that put me on my ass. And then all of a sudden it was just like, actually, I know it is the coaching. I've been doing all of this for myself my entire life, but this is actually my gift. And so I'd love to know, and I fully resonate with the landing in a place and just knowing you're meant to be there and the mirror shining bright. Like I went back to Perth for three weeks and that same stale feeling of, whoa, I can live this life and it looks nice and it feels fucking so unfulfilling that I am self-abandoning every single day that I choose this. Yeah, it's funny. I was home recently. It feels like you're just eating a tub of ice cream in your sweatpants on your bed over and over again. (laughs) Like it's it's good, but it's just not fulfilling. It's not it. Yeah. Not it. So I'd love to dive into the cyberbullying piece because that's pretty wild. And I saw some pretty big articles go up that you shared about it. How did it feel? What was the moment where you're like, whoa, something has gone viral and I'm getting my asshole handed to me by the internet right now? Yeah, it was crazy. It was in September, beginning of September, and I was about to turn 30, just ending my 29th year, my Saturn return. And I posted this. And at first, all the commentary was, yes, I resonate with this. Thank you. A lot of women. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden... Someone commented, like Matt Walsh posted this. And if like anyone's not familiar with who he is, he's like a contributor for the Daily Wire. His counterpart is Candace Owens. She's another conservative political commentator. She's gone against me like so much, which is so weird. It's like weird for women to be pitted against women, but whatever. That's an aside. She's so aggressive. But how I describe it is all these comments started being inundated of your life is meaningless, you're pathetic, you should not show your face, you're going to die alone, you're a spinster, this and that. And it felt like a 100 people just ran into my apartment and started punching me. I'd never experienced anything like it. At the time, I had like 7,000 followers on TikTok. I was just a nobody. He had 2 million followers on Twitter that he tweeted this out to. The playing field was crazy. Like he just went against some random 29-year-old girl and called her life pathetic. He said, like, I'm too stupid to realize how my life is meaningless. All I do is idolize celebrities all day. So I deleted the app for my phone. Because, you know, like, I don't think anything's a coincidence. I think this happened to me after I had just finished three years of therapy, have done the plant medicine. I know exactly who I am. I was able to handle this because I had my coping mechanisms. Mm -hmm. I delete TikTok from my phone. My cousin and I head to the beach. We watch the sunset. I tried to disassociate. And I started having people in my life text me like different periods of my life saying, are you okay? You're on the Twitter homepage. Do not read Twitter. Are you okay? 
people were telling me that there were like threads about how I should be sexually assaulted, how I should die. I I should never leave the house. It was crazy. It was really, really crazy. And I feared for my safety because I'm sure people could find my address. I felt very afraid. I slept with my alarm. And the next day, my friend from college, she had texted me and she has a little bit of a Twitter following. And she tweeted in defense of me telling people what my story is, telling people about my podcast. Because she tweeted, people like Mark Cuban picked it up, came to my defense, and it reached the right side of Twitter Mm -hmm. and the right side of TikTok. And I finally felt safe enough. I went to yoga in the morning and I was like, here's the story of why I create content. And like I said, I realized this is such a problem. I don't know if it is this way in Australia, but it feels like America is this like 50-50 split. It's such a divided. Either there's like the liberals who are don't prescribe people how to live and are okay with non-traditional values, or there's this like right side that is so mean, so vicious, so vile. And I don't want to be political, but that's just how it felt. Yeah. I mean, I feel Australia is a little bit different when it comes to the political sense that you're speaking about, but to hear the extent that people go to, to disagree with someone, like I think of you and I'm like 30 single embracing her life and fucking loves Shaq Shuka. (laughs) And I'm like, how can someone see a post about a woman like that and write things about sexual assault and potential death threats. The thing that pains me most as I hear that is because I've had nasty comments said to me on the internet many times before, but to feel like my actual physical safety is threatened to the point that you had to sleep with an alarm and fearing that people on the internet may find your address, that to me feels absolutely wild. Yeah. I understand that we create content on the internet. It's crazy what people will say. And I understand you're putting yourself up there to be judged. Not pleasant, not great, but that's what we do. And that's what comes with the territory and we're able to handle it. But that level of hatred and like vitriol is nasty and uncalled for. And this guy, like Matt Walsh, you have four kids. Is that the example you want to be setting to your children that you go after young women and call their lives stupid and meaningless and you're okay standing back seeing that people are saying that I should be sexually assaulted. Wow. He's a father of four children. Yeah. So that blows my mind as well. And so you've done a full 360 with this. So you've had the (laughs) use of fear posting, you post, you go viral on Twitter, you receive threats, literally feeling your physical safety is threatened. And now you're like, I don't even think I just post. How did you transition through that to be where you are now? It almost felt like, again, the universe was like queuing me up. I had always been posting and sharing things about my life and sharing being Jewish and single, sharing being 30 and single. Like, I didn't know what really my message was. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like my message was handed to me on a silver platter. Mm -hmm. Teach women how to stop fearing 30, how to stop fearing being single how to start feeling confident in exactly who they are and build the lives that they want for themselves, not because society told them, not because their mom and dad told them that's how they should live it, but it's because deep in their soul, this is exactly what they want. Mm, Huge. And so what is on and in store for Julia for 2024? She's 30, she's single, she's been cyberbullied, she's posting like she doesn't care what people have to think about it, stepping into your coaching business, and are you dating? 
Yes. Yeah, I am dating. For a while, I took a break from the apps. I called it Unattached Autumn. I was unattached to the dating apps. I was unattached to a man. I also felt like I had dated someone this summer and it took a toll. So I was taking a break. But now I'm in Austin and I feel like Texas men, I don't know if you dated while you were here or you met any men here, but there there is this like form of chivalry here that I really do like and appreciate. Oh, I love it. You know what? There's a thing about the American accent that doesn't fully do it for me. So I have not dated in America yet, but I'm (laughs) curious if potentially my husband is American. So I'm not going to say I don't like that accent. I'm just going to say that my American husband comes with a really sexy one. Isn't that so cool? That is the cool part about being single where you get to fantasize about who he is. Yeah. You get to say that. You get to say, I'm curious about who my husband is. Once you're married, you like, you don't get that anymore. And that's okay. But like, we get to fantasize about that. We don't know who it's going to be. And that's so exciting. Well, a part of my morning practice is I have a beautiful relationship with God. So I pray to God and I pray to my husband and I let him know how much I love him. And I say, whether it was Jake or whether it is Jake or whether it's my American husband or whoever, I believe that it's already written in, in the scriptures. God has already pre-planned who my husband is, who the father of my children is, but I just let him know every day. I just fucking love you. I also thank him for how he fucks me, (laughs) his love for my pleasure. I'm like, they say affirm and praise men for all the great things that they do. So I'm just already in advance letting him know energetically how much I love everything he's doing. I hope that gratitude is transmitting to him and he feels that. That's so funny. I was going to say, I stole this from Amy Nobile, who is like a, a coach. She wrote vows to her husband before she met him. So I've written my vows to my husband already. Oh, I had an incredible episode with Queen Katie Lynn and she had done something very similar. And then she met her like soulmate husband months later. So to wrap this up, Julia, if you were to provide one piece of huge impactful advice to a woman who is single in her 30s and really feeling challenged to be at peace with that, what message would you impart on her? I love this quote. I know it's overused and everyone says it, but what's meant for you is not going to miss you. It's it's already yours. Like it is yours. Don't worry about how you're going to get there. Just keep going. It's all going to work out and you're going to know exactly why it worked out the way it did. Yes. I love that so much. And then my final question is what does it mean uniquely to you, Julia, to be raw, real and vulnerable in your own life? I think it means being exactly who I am and not being afraid to be exactly who I am and showing up every day as the person that I want to be. Fuck yes to that. If everyone (laughs) in my world wants to dive all up in yours, where can we find you? You can find me. My podcast is pretty much done everywhere where podcasts are found. PMD pod on both TikTok and Instagram. That's PMDPOD. Yes. Amazing. I've loved today. You are the most fun. And I'm pretty sure I'm coming to Austin in Feb for the bridge experience. So I hope to see you then, my darling. Thank you so much. Yes, I would love that. Thank you. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. If you're desiring more from me right now, firstly, I love your eagerness. And secondly, let's make it happen. Check out the link in my show notes where you can receive more information on my books, breakthroughs, online webinars, all upcoming courses and programs, and how you can get started on your journey within my world today. I can't wait to be back in your ears next week. And trust me, you won't want to miss this episode.